heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 24th of November. A very happy Thursday morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, good morning, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. Big, big show, but I want to talk about just what a awesome night will be taking place tonight. The Common Ground Foundation raising the roof. It is happening tonight. Their Ride for the Roof, Calcutta and Bronc Ride and Charity Night is taking place tonight. And I just can't talk about the work that has happened um, behind the scenes for this amazing, amazing uh, Common Ground Foundation um, to take place. It is just such an important night tonight. Now, there is a auction at auctionplus.com.au. There's 280 auction items taking place. Now, the Common Ground Foundation, Ride for a Roof, has been something that has just been really, really strongly supported by all of you. And today is the day where you get on and you donate. Thank you so much to everybody who has come on board in the last month to help this amazing, and I mean this amazing, foundation. Not only is there uh, an unbelievable bronc ride with some of the best bronc riders, but also Wayne Bennett is there. We've also got an amazing story um, that will be shared. Clint Donovan is the MC for Ride for the Roof. He has been in the thoroughbred industry for 20 years and very, very well known. He will be there. And you've also got some amazing Bronx, extreme Bronx, Australia's elite saddle Bronx riders will be there. You've got Stewie Frame and Daryl Kong there. You've got an unbelievable auction items. The auction items are unbelievable. The Calcutta will be there as well. And I just can't talk about just exactly how important this night is and what Georgia Keats and family have done for this is second to none. Uh, It is an important, important charity and one that I think everybody, considering that Wayne Bennett will be there as one of the guest speakers, as well as Christy Banks, she is just an inspiration as well, the 41-year-old mother of two, now ex-jockey, after being paralysed in a race fall on New Year's Eve 2011. Just an amazing story as well. So I, I ask everybody to go to Auctions Plus. I ask everybody to go in there and bid up. Tonight is a special night. We will have more information on it tomorrow and and obviously after the event. But it is an extremely important night tonight. The Common Ground Foundation raised the roof. Well done to everybody involved. The big night. We've got Peter Hall joining us this morning. We've also got Mike Gearan. We've got Robbie Catter. It's a big show. Let's get into it. It's Rural Queensland today, Thursday, the 24th of November. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Let's start with New Ag Force Cattle President Peter Hall, who has just recently taken over the role from Will Wilson. He is now um, the leader of the 
cattle industry uh, for AgForce. He's very well known and uh, a Concurry grazier, and he joins us this morning. Peter, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. And congratulations. I mean, it's a, a big job and one that obviously that you feel strongly and passionately about that you want to make a difference, hence putting your hand up to take on this role. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, um, certainly I look forward to the role. I've, um, I've come in on a pretty easy ride, I believe. Will, Will has left the cattle board running in a pretty pretty efficient manner and it should be should be reasonably easy to step in and <clears throat> pick up the range where he's left off. Yeah, he, he did a great job, Will Wilson, and we've had him on the show many times. But there's so much, um, not uncertainty, but so much, I suppose, you know, challenging issues abroad, uh, locally, that we have no control of, but one that obviously that you are obviously going to oversee. First being that the key priority is supporting Cattle Australia and the transition from the Cattle Council of Australia across. Now, the voting, the people have nominated and voting closes on December 5 and it'll be a pretty historic day in Brisbane on December 12 because that's when it gets announced. But I suppose being the um, the Ag Force cattle president, getting in behind this board, making sure that, you know, they have the full support from Ag Force is one of the key priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, um, as you probably know as well as anyone, for an effective state organisation operate, we've got to be operating very effectively at the national level. And that's why we're pinning a lot of hopes on, <clears throat> on Cattle Australia becoming a more, more recognised entity representing the beef producers of Australia yep. and being able to kick a few more milestones and... That's why Ag Force is encouraging many producers, not just Ag Force members, but any beef producers in Queensland. We're encouraging them to sign up because without an effective national body, you know, it makes our job pretty tough here at the state level. There's so much happens at that national level that you know that just really impinges back on what goes on here in Queensland. So one works hand in hand, and our role going forward, obviously, be, will, will be to um, work with the new Cattle Australia board and work out how best we can interact with each other to make things happen for the betterment of the beef industry. Yeah, and and the thing about it is that that you know there there is some challenges in that that the national body needs to have a seat at the table and it, and that needs to be a show of strength and if the state based advocacy group can support you know this national body and 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 that they can they can honestly have a conversation w- with the right people. Well, it can be the powerhouse that we all hope it can be because, I mean, we all know what it generates. We all know the money out of agriculture and especially out of uh, beef, what, what is generated, you know, in, in, for the economy. So we should have a say. We should be able to have uh, some input into some of the decision makings. And we have got some massive challenges at the moment. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges, Ben, is, um, is just trying to get beef producers to become more aware and more evolved and become part of something. Just so that we can demonstrate we are a united industry in Australia. Yep. I mean, I don't know the exact number of beef producers, but there's probably 140,000 plus people in Australia that produce from one animal through to multiple animals. And um, it would be good if we could even get half them as part of a uh, part of a, a voice for Australia, because that would have some real impact. And at the moment, when we have so few people willing to be part of anything. When someone like the federal government comes as us, and although Murray Watt has indicated that methane is not on the agenda with agriculture, who knows what may happen with successive governments. So I can only urge everyone that, you know, we, we need to join to this organisation so that we actually can become a powerhouse that, that the federal government has to listen to. Yeah, and that's – I think everybody's hope for it. I really do. And, look, I will say again that voting has 
begun and people have an opportunity to make some hard decisions on who they believe in. The, the, there is an amazing lot of candidates who have nominated. It is a, a, a very, very, very – I suppose to me what it shows is that it's a very – it's going to be a good board because of the strength of the people that have put their hand up to be a part of this initial board, uh, which is really important. Can I talk about the big – you talked about the methane reduction pledges. Um, I, I mean, I know Murray Watt can say that, um, but we've seen in that government that, you know, the environmental minister at the present moment um, is saying completely different to what the Prime Minister is saying and, and no disrespect to Murray Watt who has done, in my opinion – a, a really, really honourable job so far in that seat and got to understand, you know, the challenges. Um, he's implemented some stuff and he's been very – he's listened. But I don't ha- share the same the same beliefs and, and trust in that government at the moment. So these pledges that, you know, that, that, that are coming out and they're saying they're not going to touch, that is a huge, huge challenge for us to try and control the mob, which I call a small little sector in the southeast pocket of Australia. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I think, I think Murray's um, certainly a, is a man of principle. Yep. And I mean, he's, he's given very strong support to the fact that agriculture should not, should not be the target in any of these um, reduction strategies going forward. I mean, it's been well known for quite some time now that agriculture has been the easy one to roll over anytime we seek reductions. Well, I think with Murray's support and with most of agriculture becoming fully aware of the fact that, you know, there are other industries in this country that that need to actually front up and start doing their bit in the whole methane carbon reduction process. So, I mean, we're, all we can do is to keep collecting the data and <clears throat> keep holding holding people to their word. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly very supportive of Murray and what yeah, he said there. I'm agreeing. And I agree with you. Yep. But all we can do, I mean, we can't be complacent about it. We have to we have to become part of part of whatever there is around Australia, start collecting more data to verify what we're doing is, is the correct and right thing to be doing to um, be looking after our environment. Yeah, and that's the big thing, isn't it? Making sure that everybody is aware just of, you know, we have to look after the environment, but it's not just the agricultural industry that is going to, to bore the brunt. There is other industry sectors that, you know, for whatever reason, unions and the politics of government haven't been in the headlights like agriculture has. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, all we can do is um always can do is um keep on doing what we what we are doing and, and encourage more people to become part of different systems and keep collecting the data so we can defend defend what we we believe is right. I mean, there's great work going on with different things like the Australian Beef Sustainability Framework. It's it's doing some great work, and then we're also doing some pretty reasonable work here behind the scenes in Queensland to be under underpinning data collection. So, I think. I think as long as we can stick to the scientific side of things and keep presenting those as facts, and and then and then and then through that, then try and make other industries more accountable for what they're um they're coming forth with in this whole debate. I mean, the problem with it is a lot of it is so unknown. We, we're learning as we go in this space, and all we yeah. can do is just keep keep collecting information, keep operating on the scientific basis, and keep digging our toes in. Yeah, you're dead right, mate. What else do you want to try and do? I mean, you don't want to come in here. You, you steps. Your ship's been steered pretty, pretty well with Will. What, what, what else are you looking at to try and get a grasp on it and try and make sure that it's going the right way, Pete? In the early stint, oh, there's a multitude of things, but there's a few important things we've probably got to keep 
ensure that we keep working with and keep on track with. And I mean, the big one, obviously, at the moment is um, is the FMD and LSD preparedness activities going on for Northern Australia and underpinning the work going on in Indonesia. And I mean, <clears throat> I mean, there's a bit of a saying getting around: "Be alert, but don't be alarmed." Well, we need we need to get more producers in Australia alert to the fact that we have to upgrade everything in our enterprises along the biosecurity front and become more aware of what we need to do and get more people, you know, ready to respond. More people trained, I should say, ready to respond if needs be. But as as we keep saying, if, if if we are unlucky enough to get this incursion, the quicker we get on to it, the quicker we'll get trading again. So that's why it's so urgent that people get up to speed and get some training and make sure everything is up to date on their problems. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. That 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 to me is the big thing, um, and one that everybody um, obviously is is aware of, and is obviously making sure that we are right up to speed with, and they know about it. Hey, Pete, great to talk. We're going to have you a regular on the show, so thank you so much. Congratulations on the role. It's a obviously a huge huge lift to be able to 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 go and give up your time to do something in the agricultural industry like this. Um, it takes you away from your main enterprise, which is your property, and obviously um, that comes at a sacrifice as well. So we appreciate it, and thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Very good. Thanks, Ben, anytime. Good on you. Uh, Peter Hall, yeah. New Ag Force uh, Cattle President, uh, and he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Yes, Robbie Catter joins us this morning. Um, and look, it, 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 the laughable keeps on going. And I, I talk about the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, she's now, you know, turned on the mining uh, sector and we've known this for some time. Yesterday was a resource industry lunch. Last year she was there arm in arm talking about how wonderful it is and everything like that. But after the bizarre boycott of their $94 billion resource sector, it's pretty easy to show who the Premier um, is siding with and how she believes that she has some sort of stranglehold stronghold over this industry. Robbie, good morning. Um, I mean, you're in the heart of the mining sector, uh, the member for Trago. Good morning. Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me this. But what it does show is that she's a bully in this instance, and that she's trying to, to stopping or trying to ask all her staff not to attend. Well, two rogue uh, MPs, Jim Madden and James Martin, they didn't get the memo. Supposedly, they turned up at the Resource Council <laughs> annual event. What is going on? Why can't the Premier and the mining industry just get something sorted out so everybody can just move along? This royalties issue is causing all sorts of grief. McFarlane's going up his chops every second day. And it's ugly. It's being played out in the media, and it's ugly. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I mean, it's hard with the um, it's it's hard maintaining um, keeping the inner city latte set happy and and trying to um, appease the mining industry because uh, they've been they've been riding that tiger for a few years now, and um, they want to kick the hell out of the coal industry, and. Um, not you know when most of uh, most of us have enjoyed schooling and hospitals or whatever that's helped to be paid for by the coal industry, but uh, they love kicking the hell out of it, and they're they're doing that in a way now that you know they say, oh no, we're not we're not shutting down coal, but they're doing everything to undermine the industry. So if, um, you know most of those coal fired power stations now they um they wouldn't say they're shutting down, but they're on wind up maintenance type um, sure. scenarios. So like. 
everything is uh, is going, and uh, you want to pick fights with them. Um, there's going to be a reckoning, and um, here we are. So it comes as no surprise. I mean, this is just how it should be. At, at least it's a, at least it's a bit of a moment of honesty. If um, you know, if you're anti-mining, that's fine, and you want to win those votes in Brisbane, that's fine. But you got to reap what you sow there, and that's that's what's happened at this lunch. So it's, um, it's probably a rare moment of honesty in the political political airways. Four hundred and fifty thousand jobs, um, and last year it paid uh, nine billion in royalties. Nine billion. That's what the resource sector contributed to the state last year in the last financial year. Nine yeah, billion mate. in royalties. I mean, we're not talking about like a cut lunch. Now, four hundred and fifty thousand jobs. Now, I'm being genuine here, and this and this yep. is this is affecting a lot of the people who listen to this show in rural and regional Queensland. Now, I'll tell you this now: the, the premier to come out and say, "Well." If they if if they have an extra forty million dollars for an advertising campaign, I could put a special school in Queensland. I could put more money into housing. I could help making a satellite hospital. Well, a very valid point was brought up. What about the two hundred million dollars wasted at WellCamp that she built? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, no one brings this up. No one brings up, and no nothing. I'm happy for the Wagners. I I love the Wagner family. I think they're great. What they've done for the for the economy. But they're the only ones that won out of that. The two hundred million dollars at World Camp, you know, that that is sitting there mothballed. Yeah, and the the um, I actually I haven't got the number of time here, but the, there was a big a big number associated with changing the children's hospital. Yep. in Brisbane, which is just petty politics. Um, so you know, God, for them to talk about waste. But if so, what is she suggesting? Is she suggesting that an industry that they're going to kick the hell out of because they, you know, they were right behind stopping Adani until they were forced. To approve it, yep. But and they love kicking the hell out of um, coal and saying, "Yeah, we should be signing up to twenty thirty, get rid of all uh, twenty fifty. Sorry, net zero twenty fifty, getting rid of all coal." So they, they they'll try and um, preach to one side and say, "Yeah, we're going to get rid of coal." Then when there's a reckoning, when someone says, "Well, we're going to spend some money um, to let inform people of that," they're going to have a go on for that. And uh, like I said, I mean, they're, they're just reaping. What they sow, and um, and you know, I think there's a um, there's a the direct money we get from royalties, but it's the high value jobs. Think about, I think everyone in Queensland, or at least most people in regional Queensland, could think of someone in their family that works um, in the mining industry or is directly uh, get benefit from it. So that whether they're a lawyer, accountant in Brisbane, sure. uh, selling machinery, uh, we all have a link to the mining industry. Pull that out. And see how we go, and you know, forget about even the Queenslanders who rely on this industry for their jobs. Uh, that, that, that's a starting mm-hmm. point, and it doesn't go on. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. You know, yesterday at this resource lunch, um, the keynote speaker who addressed the lunch was a Japanese ambassador, uh, Shingo Yamagami, right? And he actually said that Japanese companies' eagerness to collaborate with Australian counterparts in resources is underpinned by trust in the Australia as a safe and reliable place to invest. The government's not showing any trust at all, and that's the big issue. That's the scary part of this all. Yeah, there's um, mate, there's real problems with it, and we've got some yeah, some good contacts in the mining industry. They said that yeah, no question there was uh, it was compromised integrity in that that respect. Um, highly compromised globally, so so it's 
So the, yeah, it, it has um, it has caused real problems there, mate. And oh, um, no you know, like not too many young people are waving their bloody environmental signs around don't realise how critical this industry is to us and as a state. Yeah, I, I, I would like to talk about the updated Atkinson report. Um, it was in, done into youth crime. It was released late in the night. It was like this undercloak and dagger that no one had picked it up, which I, yep. which I, <laughs> I laugh because that's their spin doctors at their best. Now, yep. youth offenders are being further criminalised by broken youth justice systems that falls on all fronts. Now, I heard your father speak uh, last week just about, you know, the statistics about, you know, statistically, every single person in Townsville will have their car stolen statistically. That's not individually, but just by the number of cars that will get stolen yeah. in that yeah, in, yeah. in time. Like, they don't – they actually don't get it, you know. They, they, they don't get it. Now, you've been banging on about this. Uh, if it's five years, you know, like, it'll be five years you've been talking about youth crime. Nothing's changed. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> and there's no – there's not much being put on the table other than us. Um, uh, there's there's the breach of bail from the LNP, uh, which you know does help, but it's nowhere near what's needed. But um, the um, the Labor Party just um, I mean I, I don't even know what the motivation is to be honest. But the Atkinson report, as you said, it was handed out at eight thirty pm at night, so anyone at blind Freddie can see that obviously they had things in it that. They didn't want to have to address. It was released in March, and we only got to see it uh, the other week. So uh, they sat on it for months, um, hoping that they'd get it, you know, in a, a slow media day or something when they um, there wasn't going to be much interest in it. And then all the all the talk that came out of it was about um, raising the age of criminalisation and um, how we've got to look after kids more. And and um, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And yeah. to marry that up against. Like, if you're an MP sitting in any of these regional areas, especially in North Queensland, the hot spots like Townsville, Cairns, and then either, um, you're just getting savaged in your office every week by people who are who are just um, out of their minds. Yeah. Um, with kids, you know, standing over their bed at night taking photos of my older ladies and uh, being, you know, terrorised, hit five or six times older ladies because they're easy marks for these kids. Uh, young families of the family, the car stolen. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the story stabbings with scissors in the shopping centre. The, the stories just get worse and worse and more bold and brazen. And yeah, and uh, and their talk, their talk is about we've got a rage. The talk is about raging age of criminalisation from ten to fourteen, and how we've got to work to get these kids out of prison. And yeah. um, <laughs> it's just. The biggest belief, it's, I mean, my point is, shouldn't the conversation be starting is how do we help these people that have, uh, the victims of the crime? Like, what are we doing for them? Yeah. And, um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just a consequence, Dobbo, that you need to provide for these kids. And there's a complete absence of any consequence for these kids at the moment. And uh, that should be the focus of what they're talking about. And that's what we've embedded in our policies is, is to provide these kids with a consequence and uh, try and marry that up with something that turns them around as well with relocation sentencing. So that gives the judge a third option. So it's either putting them on the street at the moment, putting them in a youth detention centre that doesn't work. Third option that needs to be inserted is we're going to send you somewhere else remote, and uh, that can that could be an institutional-type facility. It could be a cattle station. It could be a number of things, but um, you need to be able to get them out of town and send them somewhere else and try something new. And um, why the government wouldn't, look at trying something new at this stage um, because this is red alert crisis um, you That's know need, in need yeah. of desperate attention yeah and they've 
they um, they just sort of sleep at the wheel. And, and I mean, I don't even know. The youth justice minister came out to Mount Isa. They just sort of talk about um, – they try and convince us that things are already working, which is just um, – so, which is just ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I find it hard to even see um, where they're coming from with any of this, but it's it's so out of sync with the Queensland public. Um, I, I think it's probably the thing you could judge worse of this government is just how they're handling this crime. We cut her here this morning on Rural Queensland Today. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back. Robbie Catter joining us this morning. Lots going on in your state of Queensland. I don't I look if if they're not a, if they're not a dead heat for first, they're a very close second when I want to talk about the health system. I mean, yesterday you bet Dath, instead of taking ownership on the Mackay Hospital oh, and yeah. you know, she has sacked the whole um Mackay Hospital board. I mean Same thing happened to Mount Isa. She sacked the Mount Isa North West Hospital Board look, seriously, twelve eighteen months ago. Se- like, let's be honest here, mate. Like, I'm being really honest here. I, I, I get it. I get I get the, the, the tragedies that have occurred in these hospitals. Mm. But the buck stops with the top. <laughs> it absolutely has to stop with the top. I mean, it's embarrassing exactly. that we are at this point where she is now sacked. The Queensland government has sacked the Mackay Hospital Board over its failure to deliver a, a good health system. It comes from the government. She's protected 100% by Anastasia Palaszczuk, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, well, um, we supported the opposition motion to vote no confidence in the health minister, uh, which they used the numbers to turn around the other week because that's, that was exactly my message um, speaking in Parliament. Is, you know, the buck has to stop with someone, and they, they've, they've, made a, they've made a real sport out of um, just doing inquiries and uh, let's do an inquiry on an inquiry or a review or, or sack the boards. And um, I think that's all the only reason they have the boards now is I don't think that... Um, they don't seem to have the autonomy that they require a lot of the time, but they'll, <laughs> they're there as the fall guy if, if anything goes wrong. So, um, yeah, I, that's just a slap in the face, and it, it's um, you know it's a failure in democracy if the person in charge doesn't get um, there's no consequence for them. Yeah, it's um, no wonder it's in an absolute god awful mess. I think you might have seen in the media last week, um, Stumpy Barrett, a bloke in Cloncurry, and he. Waited eight months to um, see a cardiologist in Mount Isa, who's a main roads worker, 50 years, and uh, he fell down on the job in March. And he waited, and he died waiting to see a cardiologist in uh, November, October, November this year. So he waited eight months um, to get a letter. He hadn't even got a letter that he, he had an appointment with a cardiologist at that time, and he died of a, what seemed to be a preventable heart disease. And um, uh, and, and you know that's not a unique story for me in my office. No, where, um, basic you know basic buddy ailments that people are having, and um, you know it's not that it's not that I it was a twelve month out. He didn't even have an appointment um, with a cardiologist, and he died on the side of the road. And um, you know you get loaded up with these stories, mate. Someone needs to be accountable and should be the health minister. Yeah, you're dead right. Hey, really appreciate your time. Just before we go, and I, I understand how busy you are, Robbie. The Northwest Region is still holding some hope for the Hewitt and Irrigation Project. Now, yeah. there has been comments made by the Premier. This has been going on and on. Do you envisage that this is going to be a thing that will happen? Well, yeah, it's a million-dollar question, isn't it? But people always ask me about projects like Copper String and Hellsgate and you know, and it's, and it's it's just like you're involved in a war and the war turns and, you know, ebbs and flows, there's, um, you know, 
you have um, low points, high points, and um, with Hipco at the moment, I think you've got a department that's hell bent on trying to stop it. And um, I'd given the dues. I think. Well, the premier said twice now that they want to progress it, um, but and that's my challenge to the government as well. Who's running the state? It's, is it the politicians or the bureaucrats? And that's the question I put to the premier, and probably gave me the best response he's ever given in Parliament, Dobbo, where he said um, quite candidly, you know, don't listen to everything they say. Yeah. And I'm not sure if she's trying to take that back now or what, but uh, it's probably the best thing I've ever heard the Premier say because um, that's the whole point is the, the bureaucrats from the state and because I think they're, they're heavily embedded with some ideologies that I certainly don't agree with in the, in the department. Um, look, at, you know, look at every water project around Queensland and Emmy Swamp Dam, Urana Dam, Hell's Gate, Hipco, at Hewenden, all of them, um, they just they talk about them, they get money and funding, but nothing ever gets built. And that's when you get down the real nitty-gritty, it takes a long time to explain, but there'll be something like the water licences or the environmental approval. They'll, they'll just get you on something. There'll always be some technicality, and it's hard to debate openly or, in it, or you know, it takes a lot to explain, but that's what, uh, that's what we've got hit there is um, we've got a commitment from the government that will progress but a hell of a time with the department, so they just, um, you know, they just they won't give you a lot of trust, do they? And yeah. nah, and and the government's got to stand up. And that's you now back in the Joe Brock Peterson days. That's why things got built because um, they ran the state, and um, and the bureaucrats followed the lead of the government, and they, you know, they gave the direction, and the direction then was followed, and and that's how it should run. They, they're given the mandate by the people, and. Whether we like it or not, the Labor Party's been given the mandate by the people, so they've got to tell us whether they want to run the state or they just want the bureaucrats. And I've always held the view that they just want the bureaucrats to run the state, but here's the, here's the opportunity to prove us wrong. Yeah, well said. Hey, great to chat this morning. Um, we'll catch up again in the next couple of weeks before Christmas, but appreciate your time doing wonderful things for Queensland, Robbie Catter. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Yeah, welcome back to Rural Queensland today. I mentioned yesterday just about the disgusting accusations that had been made by the Australian Conservation Foundation claiming that the federal government had allowed land clearing the size of the Gold, Co- Co- Gold Coast to be illegally cleared by farmers in one year. Now, the agricultural industry has been a long-time critic of the national environmental legislation, which often clashed with state regulations. Now, the Australian Conservation Foundation reported that more than 420,000 hectares of land with threatened species are likely to occur was cleared in Queensland in 2018 and 2019. I talked about this and it was a federal oversight. Mike Gearan joins us this morning, AgForce CEO. I mean, Mike, good morning firstly, but they're worrying claims because they're fundamentally not true. And the, the other thing is that Sometime the loudest voice is the one that wins and it just seems this is another case unless we get on the front foot and speak up and fight that, you know, we've tried to reach out to uh, members of this organisation, will not come on the show, just won't come on the yeah. show. And we've now got the Environmental Minister, Tanya, Tanya Plabersek, who's asked several questions about agricultural land. Uh, this is scary. There's no two ways about it. And obviously you're very concerned about this. Yeah, good, good morning, Dobbo. A- absolutely. Um, AgForce has been working for years in a very dogged and determined way with an enormous amount of science behind it, policy work behind it, for this conversation, which sadly we're going to have to have. Can I make a couple of comments? 
job in introducing this conversation. Firstly, we make, and we always have and we do it again, a very genuine offer to the Australian Conservation Foundation to sit down with other people that care about the environment, i.e. producers, and have the tough conversation. This way of engaging with the conversation through the media, using selective pieces of data rather than the whole story, is incredibly frustrating. But even more saddening is those that suffer are communities, are families that run businesses called farms and grazing operations, uh, and actually the environment, because we spend this time selective use of data, talking to each other through the media, not engaging in the conversation, not showing leadership, and this thing keeps going down the road, Dobbo. I could talk to why the information they provided is wrong in their the media release the other day, um, but that's not any use to this conversation. What is useful is the Australian Conservation Foundation being prepared to sit down with industry and have the hard conversations. And if they are genuine about the environment, that's exactly what they'll do. But Dobbo, sadly, as has been the case with you, they won't pick up the phone. They chip away behind the scenes. They chip away with the minister. They won't sit down and talk about the environment with those that care about it, which are producers across Queensland, communities across Queensland, people who want to leave their real estate in better shape than they found it for the next generation, people who want to encourage young people on the farm, people who want to see the Great Barrier Reef in great health, biodiversity growing, all of those things. And as I said, Dobby, the most disappointing thing as we find out about this through media release, yeah, this is not the thing. Yeah. There's no no consultation whatsoever, Mike. Now, surely, the, when the prime minister, uh, the prime minister's office says, "Well, they're looking at it," surely that's a concern for you as well. It is, Dobbo. Um, but let me acknowledge some good leadership, which is important for this conversation as well. And you and I have talked about this. For the last two years, the state government of Queensland has worked with AgForce and industry on what's called the low emissions pathway. It's a roadmap, and as you can imagine, some of those conversations have been very tough because there are different points of view. But the value in having those tough conversations and working together with a common goal, the value in that has been shown in what we now have in the low emissions roadmap, which was used, for example, at COP27, was used to ensure that Australia does not have a punitive methane tax imposed on producers like has happened in New Zealand. And we could do that because we've spent two years having tough conversations behind closed doors in a respectful but robust way and ended up with an approach, for example, to dealing with the methane issue, which is collaborative, which is proactive, which thinks about incentives, better use of technology, and again, attracts young people in the industry and we know that we will make a bigger contribution to that global conversation than New Zealand will because it's not a punitive tax. We've worked together with shown leadership. So I acknowledge the state government for that. Uh, and I and we ask that the federal government sit down in the same spirit and talk about this next piece. And I very genuinely offer the chance for the ACF to sit down as an equal at that table and start that conversation. Yeah, look um – it's concerning because it comes out. It's concerning because they haven't asked for the conversation. It's concerning because you guys now have to take your focus on actually positive things to try and fight the wrongs. And we've seen this happen before with reef. We've seen it happen with vegetation. We've seen it happen with stock routes. We've seen it happen with ticks. It just goes on and on and on and on. What's the next step? Dobbo, we're in Canberra all this week, um, myself, our General President, Georgie Somerset, 
John Baker, who's also on the board, and others, working very hard to ensure this conversation's reset in the way that'll get the best outcomes environmentally and otherwise uh, that we can. But that's at great expense to AgForce members who pay a membership free for us to do this work. The airfares, the time involved that could have been avoided by sitting around a table and having a first conversation is tragic. But the next step, Dobbo, is us or AgForce and industry doing what we do well, which is reaching out to all of the players, including the ACF, and saying, let's talk. We don't have all the answers, but we have some of them. We're a valid voice at the table. We look after a lot of the landscapes across Queensland. Um, let's talk. But the cost and energy involved in doing that and trying to catch up because they've talked to us via media release, it's tough and it's costly and it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Obviously some um, not worrying times, but, you know, the, the interesting times ahead and it bodes well, obviously, you know, that Ag Force is in the right spot. We spoke with Peter yep. Hall, you know, earlier um, in the show, the new uh, cattle president. But this is yes. a concern. There's no two ways about it. And where these statistics come up, they're just fundamentally not true. Mike, thanks so much for clarifying, talking to us through it. It is a concern, but we'll keep an eye on it. And as I said, we'll try and get somebody on this phone about this very shortly. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Thursday morning, Rural Queensland Today. And that is it from us here this morning. Have a great day, Queensland. And remember that online auction and also... The Common Ground Foundation uh, is on tonight, their big charity, raising the money for a much-needed charity, the Common Ground Foundation. Uh, congratulations to everybody who's been involved in it, and and please get on and follow the Facebook page. We'll have an update for you tomorrow, no doubt, um, but that is on tonight as well. Have a great day, Queensland. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back tomorrow morning from 9. till then, it's bye for now.